When it was evening of the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray, God, we offer ourselves to thee to use us and to build with us as thou wilt. Relieve us of the bondage to self that we may better do thy will. Take away our difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that we help of thy power, of thy love, and of thy way of life. May we do thy will always through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Richard and Barbara spent the evening as they usually did in their home outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, when the phone call came from the Mississippi State Police that their son had been involved in a very serious car wreck. They asked, is he going to make it? The officer said, I really don't know, but you need to get down here to Jackson, Mississippi as soon as possible. So of course they got in their car and they got underway and they headed down there. By the time they got down there and met the officer that had called them, 
Their son had died. And they couldn't figure out what happened because he had run into a house at full steam. He'd gone off the road and into a house. And they thought, you know, did he have any medical conditions? Did he have any addiction issues that they didn't know of? Because he was actually leaving his volunteer work, which was to work in an impoverished community in Jackson. And, they, and his parents said, you know, he, had, he has no, none of those issues at all. So as they began to do the forensics on the accident, though, and were finally able, after the investigation of the scene, to pull the car out from the living room that it was in, they noticed that there were holes that appeared to be bullet holes in the side of the car. And lo and behold, when they did the forensics on him, they discovered that he had actually been shot. And he had been shot twice, and that is what had affected his driving so that he went off the road full speed and into this house. It so happened that the people who had perpetrated the crime went back to their friends and began to brag about what they had done. And so the police were able to, uh, were able to um, arrest these two, uh, these two people within 24 hours of the experience taking place. And what had happened is this, this young man was leaving work, and these two people uh, randomly, randomly came up beside him and in the spirit of a hate crime, followed along. And they shot once, and he realized, uh, must have realized that they were trying to kill him, and so he speeds up, they speed up, and it gets going, and finally their shooting connects, he goes off the road, and he ends up in the, you know, dead in that uh, accident in the house. Well, besides the obvious devastation to Richard and Barbara, as you can, as you can imagine, the two people, the two criminals went to trial, they were found guilty very quickly. And in Mississippi at the time, there was no death penalty. There was only life imprisonment, but it was also required that they get parole after a certain period of time. So uh, you can imagine that after those years went by, Richard, not Barbara, she didn't care too much about this, but Richard, every year they were having the parole hearing, Richard went and to the parole hearing to make sure that these two young men did not get out of prison. And then one year he went and his world was turned upside down again because one of the two criminals sent a note to him asking if they could meet together because he wanted to explore with Richard forgiveness. He wanted to explore forgiveness. And Richard was absolutely beside himself with this request. Now, Richard... From, sorry, he's from Tennessee, not Alabama. He really is from Tennessee. Richard is a very devout uh, Baptist um, and would say that, you know, when I heard him tell the story before, he'd say that. So it really perplexed him because on the one hand, he knew what his Christian responsibility was. And on the other hand, he's a human being like you and me, and sometimes we have a tendency to want to hold on to things maybe a little bit longer than is helpful. So he met, he finally met with the one of the two who was interested in forgiveness. Now I don't think it's an accident that in the gospel today that there's this one line that stands out and that is Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
because he knew that they weren't going to be able to forgive each other after betraying him and abandoning him and all these kind of things. So they're going to need the Holy Spirit. Left to our own devices, generally sometimes we fall short of what the request is in our Christian life or the, the expectation is in our Christian life. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So I think that he puts it at this particular point also to teach us about the struggle of forgiveness as a human being and as a Christian, kind of like the situation that Richard's in. On the one hand, I know what my faith says to do. On the other hand, it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that just yet. But Jesus teaches us in the middle of this to realize that whoever created the line, forgive and forget, did not know what they were talking about. Because if you've been on the other side of a particularly painful, sinful action on the part of someone else, or if you yourself have committed a sin that you don't feel really good about and know that you caused hurt to someone else, I mean, forget? Forgive, maybe. Forget, unlikely. I remember when I was back in the, like 40 years ago in the process towards ordination, we had to do these, you know, these conferences to determine whether we had a People had to determine whether we had a call or not to ministry. So I don't remember anything about this except this one priest that said, uh, that got us all in a room, and we were talking about, he said, well, my job is to talk to you about sin. And I thought, I can relate to this guy. And he said, you know, he said, look, uh, he was a priest. He said, look, if you're going to be a parish priest, it's very important that you have some, you have a couple of sins. And he says, <laughs> literally, he said, they have to be real juicy ones. You have to believe that God has forgiven you for them. You have to believe that uh, others who are involved have forgiven you. But occasionally, they still come back. And you say, how could I have ever done that? Excuse me, I have a little trouble with the microphone here. How could I have ever done that? Now I lost my train of thought. I knew it was going to happen. Just stay with me here a second. It'll come back. I think I'm over 60, maybe not. Could be the shortest sermon on record here at St. Stephen's. The reason he said this was important as a parish priest, he says, when you're sitting in your office and someone comes in and they pour out their heart because they have been embezzling at work or they have been cheating on their expense account or they have been having an affair in their relationship or they're hooked on pornography and they come into your office to share this, it is critical that you understand the nature of where they're coming from and that you welcome them as a sinner in need of redemption and forgiveness and not welcome them as judge, jury, and executor, or execution. Obviously, that stayed with me. I did have a couple of juicy ones by the time I was going through that at 22, and I felt like that was a redemption in a way, to realize that the things that hadn't gone well could turn out to be things that could not only be forgiven but could be helpful for other people, maybe, in time. So forgive and forget, they, I don't think so. If you try, you're going to waste a lot of energy on that. You really will, particularly on the sins that are the memorable ones, the juicy ones, as the, as the priest said. I also think he's trying to teach us that forgiveness is an unfolding process that takes a lot of time. If I, for, if I forgive you for something you've done that hurt me today, I don't wake up tomorrow and say, boy, you know, Raymond, you are the best guy in the world, you know, and there is nothing, nothing at all now that I hold against you. No, I have to get up the next day, and I have to pray 
to receive the Spirit so that I can forgive him again and again and again on a daily basis until I actually have reconciliation with you. I also think that Jesus was trying to teach us that, um, and this is, this is very, uh, very true, and I believe you all know this, is that if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You know, if someone sins against me and I want to hold it and not forgive them, who, 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 gets, who gets eaten away in that? Who gets eaten away? I do, right? It will eat away at me to hold on to the sin. The freedom is in the forgiveness and in hopefully the acceptance of the forgiveness by the person that I have offended or hurt. But if we retain the sins of any, there's a very good chance that they will eat away at us and create these huge resentments that become way more difficult to, um, to let go of as life goes on than if we realize that with the grace of God, um, we can actually move on. And then I was just I was thinking about this this morning, that probably the most difficult person, and this may be a projection of mine, maybe some of you think the same way, the most difficult person to forgive uh, is myself, is myself. So I think that what we're being asked to do is we're being asked in our Christian life to try to live out this teaching from Jesus as well as we possibly can. Perhaps um, you're working through uh, the pain of someone, of some kind of sin that you've committed or someone has done to hurt you. And perhaps you're just in the middle of something that is stretched out over a period of time and you're seeking some kind of reconciliation or working something through to a place of at least being able to live a little bit more serene and peaceful human existence. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. But remember, it begins with receive the Holy Spirit because the Spirit will take us places we can't go ourselves, as I said at the beginning. Now, Richard, just go back to finish the story. Richard sat down with this one person and he forgave him for what he had done, the crime that he had committed. It almost made him throw up afterwards to think of that. It was so difficult for him to do. He... Um, the person wanted some more correspondence, and Richard said, I'm not ready for that, but I'm ready, to forgive, I'm ready to forgive you. He was ready to act his way into a new way of thinking, not think his way into a new way of acting. So he forgave him, and at the same time, went back to Jackson, Mississippi, every year on the parole date to make sure that he stayed in prison as well. Forgiveness. What we forgive gets forgiven. What we retain gets retained. And if he were here, he'd say that over the past 15 years, by the grace of God, God slowly but surely, he has actually moved in to a state of grace and forgiveness with that young man. Amen.